So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the first riot of the Luddites. Then on Tuesday, we unearthed the mad coincidence of the day two different Dennis the Menaces made their comic strip debuts. On Wednesday, the day the Spanish conquered the last Maya kingdom. Thursday was the day Colonel Sanders sued KFC. And on Friday, we recall how Vincent van Gogh's sister-in-law made his name. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that isn't retiring, just taking a sabbatical that obviously it will never return from. It's a very graceful exit. It's got huge dignity. Huge. I'll be honest, it sounds like we're retiring. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that is retiring, but won't stop banging on about how it nearly won the championship like 100 years ago. Oh, yeah, give it a break, Massa. All right, you didn't win. Oh, you nearly cried. Whatever, your dad was upset. Was that 2008? Yeah. That was a really long time ago. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. You weren't even born. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that ruins a perfectly good overtaking move with stupid devil horns. I do not understand this reference. Daniel Ricciardo did a perfectly good overtake that he ruined it with stupid devil horns. What you mean he understand? put them on his head or he sprouted them or... He did that thing that people do in music, the rock, rock hands. Rock, rock hands. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that can counteract booing. Boo! I hate you even more. I'm Chikrez, and today from the BFI on London South Bank, we are going to look back at the Italian Grand Prix. So last week, Formula One whizzed down Europe to the track that has existed since the dawn of time. The track that is the same length as 3,388 Fernando Alonso's lying down. It was, of course, Monza. Not a race we'll be talking about in a decade's time or probably ever again after this podcast, but we'll run through the headlines. Most of all, though, we'll be chatting about news that has happened outside the cars and uninformed speculation about the future of F1. That's all to come. With me is a man who is still ill. Were you ill last time? I had a cough last time. Oh, yeah. And I've still got a cough. Okay. Thanks for listening, Chica. I've been t- I've had blood tests for this cough. No. Oh, really? I've been tested for... I haven't got malaria. Okay. I, I was going to say, you've, to, for reminders, you've not... This is not likely to have come from the UK, is it? This is a central... I've been, I've got, oh, I've, I've been tested for Zika. That does explain your bizarre-looking head. Yeah. Yeah. And alongside him is a motoring journalist who met a 90s icon at the weekend. It's Phil Tromans. Yes, Phil thank Tromans you. Phil Tromans is Hello. a 90s icon. Yes, I am. <laughs> Let's play the guessing game. All right. Give me a clue. Well, do you want to do the yes-no game rather well, than... Okay. what I have heard of them. Because uh, prob- I was alive in the 90s. Probably. Jack Milner. No. You're literally Damon just suggesting Hill. people. I, I was going to say you suggest you ask me questions and I say okay. yes or no. Is it Kirk <laughs> Is it Jack Milner? No, was it's it none of those. Was it music Yes, related. it's musical. Okay. Is it an oasis? No. A blur? No. An embrace? Oh, were they in a group? No. A yes, they grass. were in a group. Okay. Ooh, they- yes, you're very warm. Is it Gaz Coombs? It was Gaz Coombs from Supergrass. I went to the Together the People Festival in Brighton, which well, was. This story is interesting, but that is an amazing guessing game. That, I know, was, yeah. that is top we'll notch. Just we'll be doing this every week. It was on you your Instagram. I saw a picture of Gaz Coombs. But yeah, I went, to, I went to the Together the People Festival in Brighton, uh, the highlights of which were uh, Brian Wilson doing all of Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, although he is quite old now. You can't stop him, that's the thing. You, you see him in Sainsbury's, he's doing Pet Sounds. Yeah, I think, I think you may be closer to the truth than. Uh, than is comfortable 
and also saw Gaz Coombs and then afterwards we went and he was doing a record signing so I thrust it, oh, thrust my vinyl signed? underneath him uh, my vinyl record of his latest album <laughs> it was a 12 inch actually but it was after you met yeah. him hey, hey. <laughs> um, what have I been doing before I came here an hour early I don't know uh, got the times wrong I uh, went swimming are you swimming for just for fun or are you training for an event or just swimming for to keep myself in tip top condition anyway forgotten pants um, <laughs> and had to walk through um, it's a very Muslim area which everyone is where it's dressed very respectfully where wearing a going? small skirt and no knickers um, anyway we're fine and yeah. everything's fine is now is this a pantsless podcast uh, no 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 I went home and I oh okay oh. engulfed myself that's embarrassing at least <laughs> So let's start with the stories that you've been talking about this week in Listener's Corner. Now the silly season got properly underway in the run-up to the Monza race as Felipe Massa announced his retirement at the end of the season and Jensen Button, the driver that's been weakening Britain's knees for the past 16 years, has also retired. I mean announced a sabbatical. Basically, he announced a two-year contract with McLaren where he probably won't drive. With a combined 268 years in Formula One between them, we asked you, the listeners, how you'll remember these elder statesmen of Formula One. It's just very sad that they've died. No, they haven't died. No, it just seems like they've died because of all the endless tributes in every single... Oh, do you remember when Massa did things and Jensen did the things? I love it when a, reti- a driver retires. It doesn't happen often enough. It actually doesn't happen that often these days, does it? No. Why do you love it? Well, it's... It's more that, you know, some drivers don't know when they're going to go and they just <laughs> cling on forever. And both of them have had a bit, a year or two too many. But, you know, it's nice to be able to say, I'm on the way out. Everyone, let's have a party. You know, it's like when, you, when you're leaving a job. You go, everyone, you know, come together, buy me a watch. And then you do nothing. It's never happened when I've left yeah. jobs. Oh, really? No, I've, I've, worked, I've worked in a number of magazines and newspapers and there's like a tradition in magazines and newspapers when you, when you leave that somebody will do your front page so it'll be like a mock-up of the front page of whatever publication you work for with sort of hilarious in-jokes all over it and a picture of you yeah. and my wife is, is also a journalist has got hundreds of them dotted around the house I've never had one maybe oh. because all my co-workers hated me but well, we'll do a special podcast <laughs> when I leave am I leaving? <laughs> oh. you're taking, you're a, taking a sabbatical <laughs> So Mark Stokes said about Jensen, it's Ron Dennis having a backup plan in case Stoffel turns out to be as good as the Honda engine. I'm sure if he could, he'd have had a Mercedes engine deal on sabbatical too. Now that would have been good if... if but do you when, agree with in case Stoffel's not good? No, it's if, it's if Alonso has a hissy fit and fucks off. That's what that's why they've kept Button around for. Because Alonso's starting to actually lose it on the radio. He's starting to, like... Giggle maniacal, maniacally, manically, maniacal, gaggly. Maniacalston's He's maniacalston's. And uh, if Alonso sods off after the next year, they've got Button there, who will be a year rusty and old and not give a shit anymore and will be rubbish. What, what, this is the weirdest and worst decision I have ever heard in Formula One, ever. What surprised me is that that also was my reaction. I was like, that's fucking weird. But all the media have seemed to go, oh, that's beautiful. Such a nice way of doing it. In fact, quite a lot of, pe- quite a lot of people on our Facebook page are like, yeah. oh, no, it's a really nice it's way really of doing it. It's a really graceful way of leaving. It's really weird it's to me. It's not a graceful way of leaving. It's like saying to 
to John from Accounts going, right, John, uh, we're not, you're, you're not fired, but can you just fuck off? And John, we might like ask to, you to come back. John, we'd like to offer you a new two-year employment contract. You're an ambassador. That yeah, you're an ambassador you for not working <laughs> or being here. And, and you'll be replaced with somebody else. The nail in the coffin for me was the video that Jensen put up on like, the McLaren page. And it was him, like, they'd obviously re- said, let's film this video. And he hadn't had a chance to think about what excuse to give. Because he just kind of went, well, it's a really tough day because I'm going to retire. Uh, sp- have, sorry, I mean, have a sabbatical. <laughs> and um, the reason is, it's just because I'm, like, really tired. And I'm a bit bored of, like, going around the world and... It's quite exhausting doing Formula One, actually. Yeah, it's really tiring. And, and I want to do triathlon. Yeah, and it's yeah, because, yeah. I was going to do it anyway. And it'd be, it'd be nice to have a lie-in and you know, a lie-in. not oh, to I'm have to see anyone. I'm going to do because I'm so fucking tired. Yeah. It'd be yeah. nice not to, not to earn all that money or drive the, drive the race cars yeah. anymore. And at least I can settle back with my wife. Oh, no. Tim Clay said, Salva tried this with four drivers, as I remember. They all got sued and the cars were impounded. That's a very good point. That's a good, the press release for this said that McLaren are using an innovative three-driver strategy. <laughs> it's not innovative to have three drivers and two cars. And the idea that if Jensen Button's so knackered that he wants time off, why is he being the reserve driver? He has to turn up to every fucking race. This is bullshit. Anyone who thinks this is a graceful exit is a fucking moron. Is he, he's actually the reserve driver as well, isn't he? So he is yeah. going to be at every race. He's got to be at every bloody race. So he's not. Which means get he won't on. be doing presumably any other racing. It's not like some of the. It's not like, you know Stoffel's been racing in Japan, hasn't he? So he's got he's he's got race. Yeah. He's so got I racecraft think- ready to go. But I think they probably won't have him at the races because they'll probably do a Sauber and have a fourth driver as a backup in case someone buggers off. You know. Who do we think so that's going to be? Who else is coming up with? No, who, would, who wants oh, to drive from McLaren? Who fucking gives a shit? <laughs> so Neil Bailey said, Jensen is leaving with grace. He deserves such a gentleman's agreement. I like this. They keep the cash cow ambassador. The sport sees Jensen done correctly and all gain respect. Bullshit. No, well, none of us Sorry, are respecting Neil. him. Oh. Sorry, Neil. No. Well, no, I mean, I have plenty of respect for Jensen, but this just seems such a weird way. This seems, He's not coming back. It seems to me like it seems like Jensen desperately clinging on to Formula One as long as he can. Yeah, and it like, seems like, like McLaren done. going, oh, Jensen's really popular with Honda and in Japan. We don't really want to lose him, but we don't want to lose Stoffel either. So you reckon that's why they're doing it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would put literally pounds on it. This is McLaren dumping Jensen and Jensen being like oh come on let's just go for a drink let's just do something oh come on I mean we've got we've booked tickets for that film no, in a few I, months this is like this is like um, being um, McLaren dumping Jensen but then taking him along to a family event or re- you know family events for a yeah, year yeah. as a friend, as yeah. a friend. With, with a new boyfriend <laughs> Stoffel's the new boyfriend. Stoffel's the new boyfriend slash girlfriend. Do you know what Jensen deserves? At the last race of the season, when everyone's giving Massa cakes and champagne and saying, well done, Massa, You're, what a great career, well done, sorry about 2008, well done, yeah. And then Jensen would be like, oh, where's my cake? And everyone's like, oh, no, mate, you're not retiring, are you? So we haven't got you anything. So moving on to Felipe, Rich Johnston said, retirement definitely didn't spring up on him. Uh, <laughs> oh, spring. oh, I've only just got that. That's very he good. He had a spring in his That's face. That's very good to spring up on him. So Massa is someone who retires with dignity, actual dignity, does a press conference, says I'm retiring, none of this sabbatical bullshit, and during his retirement, he has a little pop at 
2008 and says, you know, I'm still pretty bitter that I didn't win the championship. It's like, do you know what? That's not dignity, Massa. That's not dignity. Just can't. But you didn't win. Right? That's all he's got to talk about. He had a spring in his face. That should be his main topic of conversation. He also oh, nearly caused way, an enormous fire in Singapore in 2008 as well. Yeah. He took out, didn't he take out half his pit crew when he drove off with the fuel load yeah, attached definitely. to him? Yeah, definitely. He had to move over for Schumacher. Yeah. You know. None of us can say that. I've, I've never moved over for Schumacher. Ralph Schumacher, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be silly. Nobody moves over for Ralph Schumacher. Nobody was baby in the corner. I thought it was interesting that the Rich's comment was pretty much the only one we had about Felipe. And no everybody one else. Shit. Well, everybody else. There was lots of lots of content on the Facebook post asking if anybody had anything to say. But Rich's was the only one. <laughs> I've only just realised it was a comment about a spring in the face. Everybody else just posted gifs and videos of Massa's dad reacting to Felipe nearly winning the World Championship and then not. I mean, we should have a moment of reflection of how close that 2008 Championship was. When he crossed the line, he won the race and Hamilton was sixth. If Hamilton finished fifth or above, he won the championship. And on the last corner, Hamilton overtook Glock to finish fifth. It was an amazing best finish to a championship ever, I think it's safe to yep. say. But let's get two things straight. One, he wasn't world champion for 30 seconds, because that's not how results work. And two, he didn't lose a championship on the last thing. He lost a championship by being not actually that good throughout the season, but just good enough, you know. Hamilton lost far more races through dodgy stewarding decisions and bad luck than Massa did. So, 2008 when his tyres gave out of China? Yeah, it was maybe. He slid off in the pit lane, remember that? Yeah, and there was the, the weird stewarding thing where he got like, I think it was Belgium, he got disqualified or something at the end of the race. But he's, Massa's blaming Crashgate. Oh, bringing that back with PK. In, in all seriousness, how are we going to remember Felipe? Who? <laughs> all right. Hey. But, I mean, journey, journeyman, bit better than that? Journeyman. No, not better than that. Just a journeyman. Journeyman. All right, how about Jensen? Won a championship Fluked. when he had a really good car. Fluked a championship, spent a lot of time at the back with Honda. Ooh, that's very hard. Fluked a championship. Well, I mean, was that Honda's fault or was that Jensen's fault? Let's not forget, um, he won quite a few races at McLaren and he beat Hamilton over the three seasons, generally in terms of points. Yeah, Hamilton was depressed. He had Nicole Scherzinger dumping him. That's true. What, he you came from winning last, a race when Nicole Scherzinger... Last to first at Canada. That was a great race. He had some good moments, but ultimately also a journeyman. Wow. So now we've sent Jensen on his way to get at least one acceptable name, let's talk about the word on everybody's lips. The fact that Bernie, 86 next week, Eccleston, might be out for good and the paddock have been agog at rumours of an impending sale of F1 by CVC Capital Partners to an American firm, Liberty Media Corporation. We'll get into the details later, which we'll need to because I don't know what's going on or what a share is. But if this goes ahead, and there are plenty of decent sources suggesting it will, mainly Phil, then it could mean Bernie is surplus to requirements. If he does, will we miss him? I'd just like to say I'm not the chief source of these rumours. <laughs> you are with this podcast. Okay, yeah. the podcast maybe. Um, I, yes, we will miss him because, you know, he's... Let's give him his credit. He's made Formula 1 what it is mm-hmm. in the last 7,000 years. He has really kind of made Formula 1 from being just rich people running around with no one watching to rich people running around with lots of people watching. It was basically expensive club racing before, wasn't yeah. it? It was very lackadaisical and there were lots of good things that went with that but Bernie has completely transformed it into the behemoth that it is today and he's the reason why people are talking about it being 
sold for $8.5 million or however much it'll go for. He's billion dollars, for, sorry. He's the reason for us. Yeah, we wouldn't be doing a podcast about club racing. Although I'd like to take this opportunity to plug my podcast about club racing. Then, uh, <laughs> Shut it's up. It's great, it's great. I don't think he'll fully go. Well, he will. He will. He's, he's still got a percentage of it, hasn't he? Six. I don't think if you come, if you come, if you're, can you imagine somebody's tasked with coming in and running F1? I mean, Bernie doesn't strike me as a particularly good records keeper or somebody who's good at a handover. You know, if you leave, if you leave your job and have well, that's why you've got to get rid of him. Otherwise, I think he, he has is, to stay there and go. No, this is how you do it. This is how he, this no, is he's going to be there in the corner of the room Should going. Well, a, you could do it that way, but ooh, you know, wouldn't you want to pay him vast amounts to be a consultant and just sort of say, you know. No, I'd want, him, I'd want him out of there. I would yeah. want him. I'd want to walk in when he's in, in, have his knob in the till, and you're like, right, you out. <laughs> happened to me in a pub once. Um, Wait, it wasn't my, it wasn't my knob. Oh. It was Bernie Eccleston. He was in a pub. <laughs> um, uh, I, I worry for him though because I've been covering Formula One for say probably about nine or ten years doing stuff. And in that time, his age always comes up. It's like, Bernie Eccleston, he's 76. Bernie Eccleston, how is he going to cope? He's 79. Always 80, he's 84. Hasn't he right? always been about to be 86? Exactly. Well, the thing is, now I worry, I now really worry. You know that tragic thing when there's like an old couple and one of them dies and then the other dies like immediately from like a broken heart? I think as soon as Formula One exercises itself from Bernie Eccleston, I think he's going to go. Terry, he's got a really young wife. He's got a really young wife, but he loves Formula One more than her. And I think <laughs> as soon as Formula One says, no, Bernie, it's over, I think he's just going to be found in Central Park. Could you explain what it, the idea is, please? Just in a simple few Which sentences. Which idea in particular? What's going about? on? Right, so, uh, I'd like to preface this by saying it's exceedingly complicated, and I apologise if I've got anything wrong. But Formula One as a group of companies, the various people that think that organise F1 have all the, the rights to it, the, the, the management of how it runs, the, the licensing, the TV coverage and everything, uh, is owned by a company that Bernie Eccleston set up called Delta Topco. Great name. Great name for Very a company. Very good name. There's Super tons of companies he set up, all with these sort of Greek uh, alphabet names. Delta Topco is the one that basically owns everything. My and company is called Tatsiki. <laughs> This company uh, is owned by several different people, uh, but it's mostly owned by uh, Stuff Vine Leaves Limited. <laughs> it's mostly owned by <laughs> it's mostly owned by a private equity firm called CVC Capital Partners, which is a firm set up to put money in for uh, wealthy investors and make more money. So they bought a while back, or ten years or so, something like this. Ten years ago, they exactly. bought a majority stake in it which means they have a controlling stake which means they get to decide what happens so Bernie effectively works for CBC now American company Liberty Media who do all sorts of entertainment and sports stuff and I think they've got a NFL or a baseball team or something like that in the States they want to buy it so they already own a bit no not at the moment they have I believe in the past sort of sniffed around it a bit a couple of years ago so if uh, this happens well who knows what happens I mean they might they, they're obviously buying into something that they think has value and they're apparently willing to pay about 6.5 billion pounds or 8.5 billion dollars to acquire this control of F1 now whether they want to keep everything the same keep it going keep reaping the money and stuff or if they see potential to make even more if it happens I'm sure we'll find out 
but it, it could mean that things carry on as they were. It could mean big changes. It probably means somewhere in the middle things change over time. I but it would disagree. be uh, going back to what you, uh, Terry said earlier. It is highly likely to mean that they probably won't want Bernie sticking around because there have been various noises from various different parts of the paddock and elsewhere saying that probably his time has passed. I, I disagree there's not going to be much change. I think it's going to be a huge change. In my state of F1 later on, I will be talking about my proposed changes for Formula 1. If Delta Top Co are listening, uh, I'm ready. I'm available. I, uh, I've just set up a new company called... Um, Falafel. <laughs> So, friend of the show, Kevin Shepard, responded simply with a video of Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. It's a bit harsh. It's harsh, but fair. Joe Williams said, I'm nervous. He won't retire quietly, will he? A tenor, so people sent him money on it, a tenor says he stitches up the buyers in the sale, then buys it back in two years' time for a ridiculous profit. Unfortunately, that's also quite yeah, likely. Would you yeah. be surprised that if that happened? Likely. This is the man who managed to get out of jail when everyone was like, he's definitely going to jail. He got out of a bribery case by bribing the judge. <laughs> I don't think he was in the judge, it was the government. He bribed yeah. the government. He said, uh, what if I were to give you this $100 million? If I turn my back and <laughs> this money is gone, is that a bribe? <laughs> For the purposes of any lawyers listening, bribery in this case does just mean uh, the legal fees were paid. There's nothing wrong with it at all. But if you're listening and I was to walk away and this £10 I put on the table was to be gone, well, you know. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S or you can email us. I don't think anyone ever does. But email us. did once. So you can email us at wrong at FF1S.com. Okay, the lights have been lowered in the pub, so we are now going to talk about the teams. This was not the most exciting race, so we're going to keep this short. Yep, I agree. It was dull as... I wouldn't even say dull as ditch water. I'd say dull as water that you've been stuck next to at a party and it's just like a puddle and the puddle's telling you about his life as an accountant. I'd say I could think of more boring races, but then those bits were boring and I've forgotten them, so I can't. But I didn't think it was that bad. Let's start off with Mercedes. The two drivers that you can only like one of had a successful weekend with first and second. It should have been the other way around, except <coughs> Hamilton messed up the start. Sorry, not Hamilton. It wasn't his fault. It was his clutch's fault. The clutch he controls. Like saying, this is a professional podcast. It's just that our words are unprofessional. Why can't Hamilton start on pole? He did start on pole. Yeah, but have but you noticed long. every time he starts on pole this season? It does seem that the Mercedes uh, clutch system is a tricky one. Which, you know, all parts of a Formula 1 car are important, but Jesus Christ, get that one sorted, would you? Come on. think. I mean, I, would, I hope that they're using their allowed sort of testing filming miles to do lots and lots and lots and lots of test starts between now and yeah. Singapore. Rosberg. I mean, Ro- I mean Rosberg's had a few stinkers this year as well, hasn't he? I mean, Hamilton does seem to be worse at it, in fairness. But you, you watch most of the starts with other cars behind them and generally the Mercedes it's not uncommon for the Mercedes to lose it at the first corner okay they've got enough speed to get back later but but then that's the problem with this is that the, the start was exciting he he's got to fight back and then he just never had it to yeah. get to he never got near to Rosberg so just the whole no, race well, was just diffused I mean we've talked about this before Rosberg had a very good race I mean we, did we say this a lot but he, he, did, he doesn't have the pace of Hamilton but he doesn't he hasn't made a mistake he, he 
went, you know, stayed there at the front at the start, drove really well, and Hamilton went so far back that he couldn't do it. But it wasn't just Hamilton that dropped back, remember, because we also saw Verstappen, yeah. Gutierrez also had absolute shockers, so it's not peculiar. It just shows that the starts now are much more difficult, which I think is quite fun. Good. What I was wondering is, do you think that um, Hamilton's a good enough driver that if he had managed to catch up pretty close to Rosberg, would he have he been able to overtake get first I, I don't get I can't get my head around why he couldn't catch up and get yeah. I just don't it's just one that we watch in the race and just like why isn't he catching him hey there's not usually a great deal between them I mean Hamilton was in qualifying unusually faster than exactly Rosberg. why couldn't he be unusually but faster in the race plenty of variables I'm sure by the time I mean he went back to what sixth yeah. and he had to claw back his way meanwhile Rosberg in a Mercedes let's not forget a very quick car and he is a very quick driver he's not as quick as Hamilton but he's very quick just rattled in perfect laps with nobody in front of him nobody getting in his way off he went boring um, so I mean I can't remember exactly how far Hamilton was behind by the time he eventually got past this person but it was about 15 seconds with about 12 laps to go or something but let's not forget Rosberg's race engineer called him Nicola <laughs> <laughs> It's a beautiful name. So Ferrari, last weekend was about engine updates and impressive fans for the Ferrari team. Both drivers had a pretty good weekend. They moaned over the radio, of course, but in a more affectionate way, with a sense of solidarity and camaraderie in their swearing. Why did they go for a two-stop strategy? Well, they had to do something, didn't they? I think it was their best bet. I think they were pretty happy with coming third and fourth. The fact they were happy with coming third and fourth at Monza just shows how woefully awful they are. Well, also, this the fact is... that the fans seemed relatively happy with it as well. I mean, they were whooping and cheering well, on the podium. Yeah. Can you imagine a few years ago if <laughs> if a Ferrari had only come third? They wouldn't be too, they wouldn't be quite as ecstatic as they. No, totally. To be. But the thing is, Sergio um, <coughs> Marchione, Marchione said this year they failed he's doing yeah. a, he's doing classic Ferrari he's, he's, he's new to the job but he's finally learning come Monza you admit you failed but next year will be better and that's what he's doing right alright Williams so in the past couple of weeks there have been dramatic changes in the Williams team Massa's retirement and at Monza they reverted from reliable disappointment to really actually not that bad at the end Bottas said he'd hoped to be on the podium I don't know where he's been for the past six months but they came home with double points I mean, Why are they suddenly so good? I don't mean that's fair. I hope to be on the podium. There's nothing wrong with hoping to be on the podium. It's just he's got a mathematical chance. Monza, is, you need a big engine. They've got a big engine. Yeah. Well done. They Will seem we... to be able to get it together better than Force India this week, which they yeah. didn't last week. So, eh, you know, better than average this season. Red Bull. This was an off week for the team people looked to for excitement with their daring drivers. Ricardo didn't overtake that was quite good. Um, but I'm not sure that it was as impressive as people keep banging on about. Um, Verstappen managed not to piss anyone off. They ended up finishing fifth and seventh, and they called it championship damage limitation, which I would read as we didn't achieve much, but we didn't break anything. Why were they so distinctly average this weekend? And why didn't they expect to be as well? I'd like to take issue with the fact that that overtake by Ricardo wasn't good. I thought it was absolutely amazing. I thought it was one of the best overtakes I've seen in quite a long time. Really? To be able to get in there, I didn't see that, but to be able to get from that far back, I was literally talking with my, we were watching, talking about it with my wife as we were watching it. I was like, oh no, he's left it way too late. And then he, the master of the late braking, dives it on the inside. 
I, I honestly couldn't believe it gone for it. I couldn't believe that it worked. I thought it was really, really impressive because I know from my, from my karting experience, I think I've got a pretty good window into what it's like to be a Formula One driver. Uh, and, and that's really hard to do without either losing control or crashing into somebody or spilling off. So I thought it was really, really good. I would say, I mean, I, yeah, it was a great move. I agree with that. What I don't think was good about it was in the interviews after, in all the commentary, they were like, well, Bottas is a gentleman and he knows when he's been licked, he won't he won't turn in, he'll be a good man. And so basically what that means is Bottas went, oh, 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 ah, oh, shit. Like, where's the fighting spirit? Bottas basically had a choice when, as soon as he realised that Ricardo was doing the move, which I very much doubt he was expecting. It was either sort of, well, turn in and have an accident or, well, he's had the balls to do it, I'll stay out of the way. So what was he supposed exactly. to do? That's my point. You thinking you should have taken him out? I think... The idea of just going, oh, oh, what a young man, that lovely Daniel Ricciardo has done an overtaking move on me. Oh, what a spiffy, it's a pleasure to be licked by him. What a, what a marvellous overtaker that was. Oh, God. Oh, I've just had a dab the tear from my eye because that was the best overtaking move in the world. And I'm just so glad I was part of it. Oh, I'd just like to say, that Finnish accent of yours is the best one you've done yet. <laughs> I went to finishing school. Oh! McLaren! Things went all right in Monza for the team with the red swirly array thing. Button had a bad start, but a pretty good race when he managed to overtake his teammate, who had a fairly average race. But then Alonso had an alpha male moment at the end where he did a late pit just to be able to say that he had fastest lap. Why did he do that? I think Alonso's losing it. I think he was he was cackling on the radio. Oh, yes. He was doing like, ah, oh, the traffic lights weren't working. Ah, the traffic lights weren't working. Oh, everything's going weird. Why is everything pink? Ooh. <laughs> and they, he said... You know, he had like two laps left. He was like 13th. So unless there was a massive pile-up that would have got him in the points, there was no chance. He pitted for some super soft tyres. He got a fastest lap. In a way, it's impressive because, yes, he put on super soft tyres with an empty car. He would have gone fast. But that McLaren would not have got the fastest lap this time last year with an empty car. I mean, yeah, look for positives. Yes, the car is now capable of getting a fastest lap. But... They still finished 12th and 14th. And they've got three world championships between them, and God knows how many of the team. It's not, it's not great, is it? I think it might have been because he did that pit stop and then the light didn't work, and he was so filled with rage. Yeah, I think he just wanted to prove a point, come back in and go, all right, we've got that light fixed, because if you haven't, I am just going to drive in and not. I'm just going to run you all down. <laughs> okay, so Renault. Yet again, Renault provided us with the race crash. Not as impressive this time, but nevertheless, some action and a DNF. Magnussen finished, but spent a majority of the race pottering at the back, chatting to Ocon. He said he learnt a lot about the car in this race. It was shit. We're not usually <laughs> jumping around with enthusiasm about Renault's performance, but why was Italy particularly bad? The engine shit, the car's shit, the drivers are shit. One of them's shit anyway. Well, in fact, we know Palmer's accident wasn't his fault. Although Nasa seemed to try and claim that it was, uh, it somehow, it was after he forced him off the track. And yeah, but he got interviewed after, and that guy is a prick. Who, Palmer? Palmer, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh is this crashed into me? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, come on, Palmer, you crash into enough people. You're rubbish. You, you don't even need someone to crash into. You just go off on your own, <laughs> idiot. Monty Magnuson did that in the last race as well. So. Yeah, both of them did. I'm, I'm sick of the pair of them. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to whiz through the rest of the cars because it was quite a dull race, as we said. So, Force India, the underdog heroes and Q3 regulars now. The Force India boys had a moderate weekend, both got points, but neither did anything overwhelming. Hey! Hey! 
Saturday was in some ways promising for Haas. Gutierrez made the team's first appearance in the final part of qualifying. However, Grosjean spent some me time in the gravel. They had some satisfying results in the actual race, but not good enough to provide the points that Hey Yes Peace. so desperately need. I thought Gutierrez did do very well to get into Q1. He did do very well to get in qualifying. He did terrible in the race. What a dick. Yeah, Q3, not Q1, sorry. Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso were in their motherland, and it was the perfect opportunity for them to show what potential their moody Russian and luckless Spaniard have. Kvyat was embarrassingly out in Q1 and retired in the first few minutes of the race. Signs couldn't really do much because his car is just slow. I have two things to say about Toro Rosso. Go. One, the Sky reporter interviewed Kvyat on the grid just for the race and was like, I've just said rumours that you're going to be replaced at the next race. And he was just like, I've not heard that. What that? And it's like, so, no wonder he had a shit fucking race, right? Secondly, after they showed the race and they had all the talk on Sky, they showed the 2008 Monza Grand Prix where Vettel won in a Toro Rosso. And I was just like, that was a good race. Toro Rosso did well. Now they're not. Thank you, bye. I've also heard those rumours about Kvyat being replaced. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that because uh, Pierre Gasly, who's the Red Bull junior driver that I think we talked about earlier in the season. And the most French name we've had in Formula 1 for a long time. Pierre Gasly is having a terrifically good time in GP2 at the moment, winning races left, right and centre. Mana! Only two words are required to define Mana's weekend and they are electrical issues. Ocon finished hours behind the leaders and Verline had one job during the race and that was to stop the car and get out quickly, which he took ages to do. I, I would just like to say I thought Verline did really well this weekend and I was actually quite gutted when his car stopped working because he got into Q2, he was way ahead of Ocon, who apparently is not too shabby as a driver, although he is quite new. Uh, Verline was right up with the other teams all the way through, through qualifying uh, and I believe he'd had a pretty good start to the race as well and was going, you know, sort of high teens when it all went wrong. I, I, I think he's going to be uh, one to watch for the future. I mean, I know we said this before, but I think he's really starting to look really good now. And it has made me think that perhaps Rio Harrieto was better than we thought he was. Yeah. Uh, how far in the future? Like uh, this when he, season? Well, he's got to get into a good team. Okay. So but when, I think when Mercedes ditch Rosberg, basically. On a very brief note of the future, I think now we've got the Masses and the Buttons retiring and Raikkonen's going to go in a couple yes. of years, I think we've got a new breed of drivers there's and a, they're pretty a, good. There's a silly season discussion that we'll probably have in the next episode. Now there's going to be a few musical chairs, there's a couple of open spaces. I wouldn't be surprised if as soon as next year we might see Verline in a Mercedes-powered team of some sort. Ooh. Maybe a Williams, maybe a Force India, who knows? Salba, I'm going to say it. I just don't think they tried last weekend. Ericsson half-heartedly battled with Button, Gutierrez and Magnussen for a bit and then was blazed by them. And then Nasa had a good start, but smacked into Palmer. The only thing I say about Sauber is that 2008 race that they showed on Sky when it was BMW Sauber and Robert Kubica was up there made me think, God, this is sad. Next year, new rules, more money, time to have developed the car. But that's not going to bring back Kubica's arm, is it? Isn't it? Right, now that brings us to the standings. Okay, the Drivers' Championship is as follows. In first place, I'll definitely be here next year with 250 points. In second place, I'll be here next year, but Lewis will probably be better than me, but I'm fine with that. In third place, I did a fist pump devil horns because I did a thing. Fourth, uh, I don't think I'll want to be here next year. In fifth, somehow I'll be here next year, but I should probably retire too, honestly. Kimi Raikkonen. Sixth, I'll be here forever, Max Verstappen, obviously. <laughs> uh, seventh, I'm going to be a new Nico Hulkenberg and be at Williams until Force India beckon. Oh, that's sad. Eighth place, I'm going where the fuck I like next year, as long as it's Force India or Renault, because Perez has been very cocky, but let's face it, Perez, 
No. Uh, ninth place. I will be here next year, but I am on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> I can't remember who that is. Tenth. I'm retiring with dignity, but still pissed that I fucking lost in 2008. Eleventh. <laughs> I might be here next year, but frankly, fuck knows. Twelfth. I'll be at Toro Rosso until Formula E beckons. That's signs. Yeah, I know your number, mate. Thirteenth. I'm having a great time here. Fourteenth. I may not be here for the next race. Poor Danny Kvyat. Oh, bless him. Fifteen. I won't be here next year, but I'm not retiring. I'm just like knackered, but want to do triathlons, man. Sixteenth. I will probably be here next year. Seventeenth. I will be somewhere better next year. Eighteenth. Stop a ruffle. I'll be here next year. Fuck you all. <laughs> and the constructors' championship. Oh, by the way, I should say I'm going to do this in the style of uh, bingo caller. Okay. So, first place Mercedes. They got a one-two. What are you going to do? <laughs> Second place, 5-7, nearly third team heaven. Third place, Ferrari, 3-4. and four. We're knocking at the door, but discovering that then there's a long corridor. Ooh. Fourth place, Williams, 6-9, on the decline. Fifth place, Force India, 8-10, dead middle again. Sixth, McLaren Honda, 12-14, currently has been. Seventh, Toro Rosso, 15 quit, our engines are shit. Eighth, Hayes, 11th and 13th, losing our sheets. Sheep. 11 and 13, losing our sheen. That, that's better when it's written. Losing our sheath. <laughs> Ninth, Renault. 17 and 20, excuses are plenty. <laughs> and 10th, Manor. 18, retired. Our predictions were liars. 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 And now it is time for Terry again with the state of F1. Okay, so we've talked a bit about the sale of F1. It's a big subject. We're going to talk about it again. Because Formula One looks like it's going to be sold to a company called Liberty Media. Not the most suspicious start. It sounds like an apprentice team name that got rejected for being too bland. But it will shake up a sport that has already been shaken up in 2017 and has three more shake-ups penciled for 2019-20 and probably a new qualification format next week. But... What do we know about Liberty Media? Well, I've looked on Wikipedia and it turns out they are a group formed by the five finalists of the ITV talent show Popstars who failed to make it into the group Hearsay. But they are a media company. Formula One meet Liberty Media. Liberty Media meet Formula One. Formula One is awful at media, so what happens next? Can we finally get Formula One into the 21st century? Well, if the guy who played the dad from Frasier, who I think is the head of Liberty Media, if you're listening, I've got a 10-point plan that I think will revolutionise Formula 1. And some of these are serious. <laughs> Number one, a monthly subscription fee for fans or a free ad-supported plan. Let's make it like Netflix. I would happily pay a fiver a month to get access to Formula 1 without having to go through Sky, do it all on a Formula 1 official website, watch the races live, everything like that. Then you'll get definite money every month from us and it'll probably be more than the five, I know, but let's start I'd low. Pay more than that. Yeah, I. Oh, 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 don't. No, that's not how you I negotiate. Would, I wouldn't pay any no, more. No, I than don't that. want you in the negotiating room with me. I'd, he, this guy would pay a 20. Hey. <laughs> Secondly, disconnect from Sky. Disconnect from all of the TV broadcasters. You don't need Teddy anymore. Teddy is a dying media. You can do it all online. Look at Netflix, House of Cards. Is that on Teddy? No. Third, here's a biggie cheap or free Formula One race tickets. <laughs> the way that Bernie runs his empire is he totally rinses the promoters to pay millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds to have the privilege of hosting a Formula One race. The promoters are bankrupt, they've got no money, they have to spend all of their country's money on this, and the only way they can recoup it is by charging 500 quid a ticket. If we remove this plan, if we let the promoters have the races cheap, 
we can then say to the fans, if you want to see a Formula One race, it's a fiver, it's a tenner, it's 20 quid, it's not 500 quid. Stop this stupid kind of, there'll be still be VIP and corporate stuff, otherwise races should be cheap. Thank you. Fourth, a biggie for me, online access to all the archive races. That would be amazing. Let's not, let's not trail through YouTube and daily motion. Let's go onto the Formula One website and say, I want to watch the 1987 Spanish Grand Prix. And boom, there it is. It's simple. They've got them all. Why don't they do it? Fifth option, fan boost. No. That's a joke. That's a joke. Sorry. Okay, next. Sixth, a proper app for all the live timings, the replays, the different angles. Let's not have this... 40 quid a year app that they do it now doesn't fucking work it doesn't work properly let's have an app that you can do everything through okay seventh full integration with the Formula 1 game on the Playstation and Xbox that, that would be amazing thing. now what I mean by this is imagine if on the Monday after the Belgian Grand Prix you turn on your Playstation and there's a little thing you can download and it says drivers Kimi in the infamous Kimi versus Max Verstappen thing and see if you can have the same reactions as Kimi right imagine if they did that and they had things the real life replays of the race and can you be as good as the drivers that would be amazing they could surely have the, the, the data the positioning data yeah. so you could have go, at least go laps and try and match the I think match actually, Hamilton's pole time I think actually like it's technically quite oh, easy but there's reasons that. they're not doing it it's a brilliant idea thank you eighth option eighth suggestion fold in support races and Formula E right let's not have this Formula E's on ITV4 Formula GP2 is on something else. Let's get back to Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3, Formula E, and let's have them all on a Sunday afternoon. Let's watch them all. Let's have the Formula 2 cars in with the Formula 1 races like you used to be in the 70s. Let's have them on the grid at the same time, like, like, like with Le Mans. WC, multi-class yeah, just have them all there. It could be interesting. It'd be great. Next one. Going back to Le Mans, tie in with the Indy 500 and Le Mans. Let's have the Indy 500 as a potential Formula 1 race again, like it used to be, or at least make sure that those dates are free of Formula 1 races so that Lewis Hamilton can go and race in the Indy 500 or um, Max Verstappen can go to the Le Mans. It helps all of motorsport, it helps everything, it makes everything more exciting and it shows how great people are. Brilliant, thank you. And number 10, my favourite suggestion, let's make all the drivers live in a big house together. Yes. <laughs> and have a reality TV yeah, show. have about. a whole channel just about them not arguing and worrying about the, the milk. Brilliant. Day 22 in the Formula 1 house. <laughs> And Lewis Hamilton has started his rubbing. Max Verstappen won't come out of the bathroom when Kimi Raikkonen's banging on the door. <laughs> Felipe Nasser has pushed Julian Palmer into the pool. <laughs> Julian Palmer's called his dad. Uh, so, those are my suggestions. Some of them are silly, but I think we're at a position where, please, let's hope to the people who are buying Formula One, there is a chance to actually... The way things are isn't the way it has to be. Formula One is stuck in the past there are actually real definite ways forward here so that's it from us it is goodbye to Phil Tromans goodbye we haven't had time to talk about uh, your favourite F1 dad and mine Jonathan Palmer who uh, has announced that he wants to put in a bid to buy Silverstone which could be interesting but in a great Jonathan Palmer way he, he was asked is there a chance you could buy Silverstone and he said something I'm paraphrasing but he basically said they've not asked me to and I have an option to but if they do ask I will, I will think about it yes thank you <laughs> I, think, I think he's a bit more positive than that like he, no, he, would like, he would like to I mean he's very successfully run quite a few circuits in the UK Silverstone's having money troubles for ages the BRDC is basically a load of old racing drivers that don't really know what they're yeah, doing but soon they're going to have to pay all the big fees now Bernie's going to go it's fine it'll be fine Maybe. Silverstone fine and to Terry Saunders. 
We haven't had a chance to talk about it. Damon Hill's got a book out. It's an autobiography of his, of, of him, as is what an autobiography is. Brilliant. <laughs> and apparently it's brilliant because it's not like a normal crappy motorsport autobiography. He's someone who's he's grappling with depression, and he I've read this big review of it, and he's basically saying how, how what a struggle he found Formula One, and it's a real, apparently, amazing book about him. So, um... We could also invite him on the show. If you're listening, it worked. He did work for Nigel Mansell. What? Oh, it worked. Oh yeah, Nigel Mansell was on Remember our show. Nigel Mansell was on the show. <laughs> You've forgotten no. that moment. It wasn't a big deal for you. That's what I dreamt to. Our guests are few and far between, but when we have them, Jake Yorath. Jake Yorath. So we'll be back in two weeks for the Singapore Grand Prix. But until then, if you like us, then it really helps if you can tell the world. Open your window now and shout about how great we are. Or post it on Facebook. Rate us on iTunes. Anything really is a help. Write a song. Absolutely. Sonic. I've been G. Grez. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.